Hi, I'm Scott, host of Scott G. Gibson Stories, and on today's episode, I'm going to be reading from Bad Luck Bevan, Chapter 10, Turning Seven Times Counterclockwise. The grass was glistening. The sun had only just reappeared before lunch, and already it was humid, the air warm and sticky. Even though it was winter, it felt like one of those saunas you get at fancy hotels. When you lived in Queensland, you got used to the weather changing more often than Wolfie changed his underpants. About three times a week, if you were wondering. The ground was slightly slippery, adding an extra hazard to the game. Terrible conditions for cricket tryouts. We were out on the field at lunchtime playing a mini game of cricket for practice. We took it in turns, over by over, bowling the ball, playing in a different fielding position, and batting. We cycled through each player until we had all had a go. It was my turn to bat. I looked down the pitch at Stephen, a boy well known for his speed bowling with a twist. He was able to bowl really fast, with a spin added to really confuse the batter. Mr Woods, our cricket teacher, wanted good batsmen for the team who could also field. He already had a few good bowlers, including Stephen. Last year, the cricket team had a dismal season. Mr Woods was desperate for a win this upcoming season, so he was getting in early to ensure he had a team of the best, most talented players. With lots of training, Mr Woods had told us he wanted a team worthy of the professionals. Plus, who doesn't love a game of cricket all year round in Australia? If I wanted to be on the team, I needed to bat well. I had already had my turn at bowling, with the batsman hitting all the balls for an average of three runs each bowl. That's not a good average for a bowler to have. My saving grace was that, even though I sucked at wicketkeeper, I could catch a ball pretty well and had already caught two bowls, balls today. Now, if I could chuck away any bad luck left in my system, I could score a few runs against Stephen's incredible bowling skills. I could see Stephen rubbing the ball against his leg, lining up his run, thinking about his attack. I breathed deeply, willing myself to concentrate. Looking across at Wolfie, at Silly Midon, my mind wandered to our HPE lesson this morning, where we were forced to run laps of the oval. My worst activity, running. Blech. Whoever invented running as a sport was crazy, I got so bored inside my head while I ran, all you could see was the ground in front of you, concentrating only on your breathing and how heavy it became, how your lungs began to burn, your legs aching. It did not help that I was dizzy from spinning around. Wolfie had come to school with another of his brilliant ideas, as he liked to call them. He had read on the internet that if I turned on the spot seven times going in an anti-clockwise direction... I would remove some of my bad luck. You can only do it once every seven years, though, Wolfie explained. Otherwise, you are cursed with bad luck. Nothing new there, then, I muttered. I'll give it a whirl. Wolfie laughed and gave me a high five. I was dubious at first, but when I remembered we had cricket trials on at lunchtime, I was desperate enough to try anything I was still debating whether I would have eaten dried white dog poo, if that's what Wolfie had suggested, as he first did jokingly. Don't laugh. 
I was desperate enough to have contemplated it. As I stood in front of the wickets on the cricket pitch, I forced myself to bring my mind back to the present, back to Stephen beginning his long jog to the pitch, getting steadily faster and faster. By the time he had reached the wickets, I was focused only on the ball, trying to watch it like a hawk. My ears foggily registered the noise of encouragement, cheers and yells, sounding like a radio with its volume turned down low. Stephen began to turn his body side on as he approached the wickets, his arm moving forward in an arc like a catapult. When it reached its highest forward point, the ball left Stephen's hand, darting forward with a strong force. I watched it fall to the ground, spinning. It bounced. There would have only been a few seconds between when it left Stephen's hand and the bounce, but I began to swing just before it hit the ground. I hoped it would connect with a willow bat, already bruised and battered with previous hits. A loud thwack echoed across the field as a ball connected. The vibrations resonated up my arms. I made sure I followed through, looking toward where I wanted the ball to go, straight in the large gap between two fielders. The ball sailed through the air, the players watching the ball with those closest beginning to move towards it. After a few moments of watching the ball, astounded that I had hit it successfully, I began running. Sprinting as fast as I could, my legs pummeled the ground, my arms held awkwardly in front of me carrying the bat. I passed the other batsman just before midpoint. He ran faster than me. I tried to avoid the temptation to look towards the ball until nearer the crease, the crease but failed. The fielders had both moved towards the ball at the same time, moving quickly to get there first and throw it back towards the pitch. I assumed they both wanted to be responsible for stumping me out. I had reached the crease, turning back immediately for another lap. When I had almost reached the end, I took a look at the fielders again. One of the players was only about three metres from the ball. I had reached the crease and looked towards the other batsman. He had just begun to run back. Would I have time to get to the other side? I spent a few valuable seconds calculating times and distances before I began to run again. I looked back to the fielder. He had picked up the ball already, his arm back and ready to throw. I breathed in, building up the energy to force my legs forward one more time, trying to sneak in a third lap. I needed the runs if I was to make the team. If I was stumped now, I would have no hope. My breath came out in ragged gasps. I had exerted a lot of energy during the morning's run, and I didn't know if I could keep it up. Man, was I unfit or what? The ball was spinning towards the bowler's end of the pitch. Stephen was standing, waiting for the ball, confident in his ability of stumping me if I had not reached the safety of the crease by the time he caught the ball. It moved faster than my legs could take me. It was going to reach Stephen first. I was doomed. I hoped that Stephen would fumble, that the ball would have too much force behind it to land in Stephen's cupped hands. But the fielder had a good throw. It had been chucked with perfect precision. I leaned forward, holding out my bat, hoping I would get the edge behind the crease before Stephen stumped me. The bat scraped along the concrete, 
almost to the line. Stephen's hands were almost at the wickets and I saw them hit the stumps just as my bat reached the crease line. I stumbled, my feet tripping over nothing in my attempt to reach the safe line. It was a close call, but I was sure I had reached the line first. Almost certain, the bat fell out of my hands as I hit the ground, a loud oof escaping my lips as the wind was knocked out of me. Dry dirt had sprayed into my face as I landed, and I could taste the earthiness of it on my lips and tongue. I waited for the call from Mr. Woods, the umpire of the the game. He seemed to take forever to decide. I had time to raise myself up onto my knees and grab my bat before he made his decision. Not out, he announced. I stopped in my tracks. What had he said? I must have misheard him. With the bad luck I had, I figured I must have been out. But he said I was not out. I was sure of it. As I got to my feet, Stephen was already arguing with Mr Woods. Sir, he was out! The stumps were off the wickets before his bat hit the crease. You were right there. You must have seen it. Stephen bellowed. Yes, I saw it. But we don't have the video umpire, Stephen. He grinned without mirth, like he was trying to display his dominance. I was only just behind you, remember? Stephen, the umpire has the last word. There was a warning in his voice. If I was Stephen, I would stop now. Stephen's face was red. His mouth opened in protest. His arm outstretched to the wicket. But he was out! Get your eyes checked! He growled in anger before turning to walk back to the position to bowl again. I looked at Mr Woods. The grin was gone, replaced with pursed lips and a deep frown. His body was rigid, his fists clenched by his side. Stephen, I warned you. In a game, the umpire has the final say. If you're unwilling to accept the umpire's decision, then I'm afraid I can't have you on my team. There was an icy undercurrent in his voice, like he was trying against all hope to remain calm. But I'm the best bowler, Stephen exclaimed. We'd lose without me on the team. That's a risk I'd be willing to take, if you continue with this nonsense. Now I need you to apologise and promise that if you make the team, I'm not saying you're accepted, but if you make the team, that you will respect all of the umpire's decisions in each game. Understand? Stephen stood looking at Mr Woods, his hand flicking the ball into the air and catching it, as if he was juggling with one ball. Realising he wouldn't win, Stephen backed down, anger still visibly bubbling beneath his skin. He was going to bowl the balls with more force from now on, I could tell. It showed in his next ball. The other batsman had no chance. He swung the bat, missing by inches the ball slamming into the stumps. With slumped shoulders, the batsman moped off the field, leaving the bat and safety gear for the next hitter, Wolfie. Oh great, the two stooges, Stephen muttered when he saw Wolfie running in after Mr Woods called his name. His grin was plastered on his face as he looked at me, flashing me two thumbs up. Wolfie put on the knee pads and helmet, then picked up the bat. Quack, quack, Stephen yelled to Wolfie. Ready to go? He asked. Wolfie nodded, 
I could see his arms shaking. He did not want to get bold on his first attempt, did not want to be known as Wolfgang the Duck. From my end of the pitch, I could see his determination in his eyes. He was focused. From behind, I could hear Stephen's footsteps build speed as he bowled the first ball. Making sure my foot stayed behind the line, I leaned forward, ready to run. If Wolfie hit the ball, I wanted to get at least one run in. Although I hoped Wolfie would smash a ball for a four or six. I hoped that we got an odd number of runs. Not that I necessarily wanted to face Stephen's bowling, even though his turn would soon be up. I was a better batter than Wolfie, and I wanted to take the hit, pardon the pun, for Wolfie if I could. I wanted us both on the team. Plus, I already had three runs up my sleeve, and would only have to face Stephen's bowling once more. Wolfie moved forward a step to meet the early bounce of the ball, and I heard the crack as it connected, sending it toward the boundary. Somehow, Wolfie had hit it perfectly, except it did not quite hit the boundary for four runs. We sprinted as the closest fielder ran for the ball. As we finished the first run, I saw the fielder pick up the ball and, just as he went to throw it, somehow dropped it. He fumbled for the ball again, just as we had reached our second lap. We gave the secret signal for another run, just as we had been practising. A wave of the hand and bat, almost like jazz hands, and shouted for another run. The fielder threw the ball as we started for our third lap, reaching the wicketkeeper just after we made it back to our creases, safe. Somehow we survived Stephen's bowling, and another over before we were both out. I was caught out trying to hit it for a six, and Wolfie was bowled out with a nice spin. According to my calculations, we had both made enough runs to make the team. Perhaps good luck was starting to come my way. I hope so, anyway. And that was the end of chapter 10. On next episode, I read from chapter 11, Four Leaf Clover. Thanks for listening to Scott G. Gibson Stories podcast. Please subscribe and share with your friends. I'd love to hear your feedback, or if you have any book recommendations to share, please let me know. You can find me on most of the social media platforms. Like Bad Luck Bevan, you can read my books as an ebook or in paperback format. Just search for Scott G. Gibson in your favourite online retailer. If you're enjoying what you hear, I'd be forever grateful if you left a re- review on Goodreads or Amazon or wherever you get your books. Reviews, good and bad, are important, not just for sales and to let others know what you think, but because it lets me know that you've chosen to read my books over every other distraction available. And for that, I thank you more than words can say.